What is Up, Consumies? This is Jamie Lewis, host of the Consumed Podcast, where eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers sit at my creaky kitchen table and talk about life and flavor with me. You're at the table too. Thanks for joining us. Before I introduce today's guest, here's a little bit about sponsors of the Consumed Podcast. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. If you live in San Luis Obispo County or you love San Luis Obispo County, Slow Life magazine is for you. This publication connects its 100,000 readers per issue with the culture, people, and happenings in our area. I write the food column for the magazine, and most recently, I covered Cane Tiki Room in Paso Robles. It's this super fun, adorable spot with pineapple lights outside and tiki gods everywhere and legit cocktails with all the plastic monkeys, umbrellas, and bendy straws. I'd tell you all about the food they serve, too, but you got to wait to read it in the magazine. Find Slow Life in your mailbox every other month if you're a local, or visit slowlifemagazine.com to get a subscription. If you've been listening to the Consume podcast for any length of time, you know I've been supported by Rancho de Anaveros Wines almost since the beginning. Recently, Vintner James Onoveros partnered with Santa Barbara County wine expert Wes Hagen to offer tastings at the historic ranch in the Santa Maria Valley. On the Rancho de Onoveros website, I love it. It says, this is not your average wine tasting. Please allow two to three hours for the full experience and bring your boots. I've been to the ranch house and in the Rancho Onoveros Vineyard, and let me tell you, it's just one of the most heartfelt, down-to-earth, yet sublime experiences. The place is laden with history, and it doesn't hurt that the native nine Pinot Noir is a supernova. It's so good, in fact, that Wine and Spirits magazine named it one of the top 100 wineries of 2021. If you'd like a private tasting at the ranch house with Wes, you owe it to yourself to make a reservation by emailing Wes Hagen at wes at ranchosdeonteveros.com. Okay, on to the episode. Peter Cron is the executive director of the San Luis Obispo County Integrated Waste Management Authority, and he is a treasure trove of answers for all the burning questions I had about garbage. Like, do I have to rinse out jars and cans to recycle them? And can I compost tea bags with the little staples? And can I put compostable forks in the trash and hope they just break down and don't cause problems? Oh, I also, I also asked about the urban legend that says garbage collectors are paid incredibly well. And 
he answered me. It turns out that we in Slow County do a pretty decent job of leading the way with managing waste. In fact, we're the first place in the nation to use an anaerobic digestion facility to process organic waste, which is extremely cool. Stay till the end of the episode, please, 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 because you'll love to hear about Peter's final meal and what he wants to happen afterward. And definitely visit the IWMA's website, which has a very helpful widget on the homepage where you can enter any kind of waste and find out which bin to put it in. I feel like I could spend hours on there. By the way, it's IWMA.com. Okay, here's Peter Cron with the Slow County Integrated Waste Management Authority. So you were starting to tell me some things before I started rolling, and I said, hey, wait, 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 save it for the interview. So I, I want to know, how does somebody get into the garbage business? Were you a little boy, and you're like, you know what, more than anything, I'd like to, I mean, maybe you were. No, not exactly. Um, yeah, you know, I never looked at the garbage business um, as, as something I really wanted to do. I always looked at other things. Yeah. Um, but I was I had a job, and I... Um, it's a long story, but I got terminated from the job because I wouldn't lie about something, and my boss terminated me. Nicely done. Um, well, it, nicely, except that now you're unemployed and you don't have any I yeah, hear you, you but I just respect that. Yeah. But, but then um, uh, the person that I wouldn't lie to uh, turned out to be a friend of the garbage company, mm-hmm. uh, the, one, of the, one of the owners, and he was looking for someone who he could trust with um, working in the recycling division. Mm-hmm. And so I get a call from uh, Tom German from Timbledon Feed and Grain. And that's the yeah. guy that, that oh. was an old, old, old uh, friend of mine. Tom tells me to go fill out this application at EDD. And I, I completely have no idea why he's asking me to do this. Mm-hmm. And so next thing I know, I, I fill it out. I get a call from uh, John Ryan at the recycling facility. I go down and apply for this job. And next thing you know, I'm working in the recycling field in mm-hmm. the garbage business. And uh, about six months go by, and one of the members of the board of directors comes in and says, so, so you're Peter. Mm-hmm. And Tom German and I are friends. And so um, Tom used to always, he, he built a bus stop in front of Templeton Feed and Grain, mm-hmm. and he used to always sit there. And so I, I drove up there um, on my day off and sat down next to Tom when he's sitting at his bus stop. And he's and, just relaxing there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, looking it. straight ahead. And it's like almost uh, that moment where you're looking at him going, so why didn't you tell me what you were doing? Yeah. And he goes, now what fun would that be? <laughs> that's how I got into the garbage business yes so okay. I started working um, on Tank Farm Road back when the recycling facility was out there mm-hmm. um, and uh, started working uh, in, in the recycling arm of it and slowly but surely got more and more involved with different aspects of mm-hmm. what, with, uh, the, with the waste hauling with the landfill and with uh, some of the other perspectives so it, it, it you know it's an interesting business I was stunned at uh, how involved it was how many different facets between engineering, biochem? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's you. You become pretty immersed into it, and then all of a sudden you realize how intricate that business is, based upon regulations as they're passed. Yes. So, yeah. It's um, how long ago did you start? 1994. Oh my gosh! So it's been a long time. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was I was around when garbage was young. So. so- well, yeah. So you've really watched a lot of changes, right? And 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 and, and been involved with a lot of them. So I I started out working for the garbage company. Then I went to work for the city of San Luis Obispo, mm-hmm. um, doing both solid waste and and water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then transitioned to the Integrated Waste Management Authority. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from there, I spent about twelve years working, helping develop the programs that we currently have mm-hmm. uh, countywide. And then I took off and made wine again for another, just wine for about ten years. Made so, wine. Yeah. 
in yeah, between. In between. And and I con- did some contract work with the city of San Luis also at that okay. time. But but yeah, winemaking is, is is another one of my passions. So. Oh my gosh. So who have you made wine for? Well, I had it. Um, so I, I, when I was really young, um, I just out of college, I was working for uh, Estrella River Winery where Gary oh, Everly was a winemaker and Tom yeah. Myers was the assistant. And I did that. Um, left because... You know, I wanted to make money, be rich and famous. Went to back to Los Angeles, went to work, lived there for a while. In the 90s, I came up and opened a small label called Laverne Vineyard. Had that. Oh, I'm familiar, yes. Right, and then we went to, um, um, and I stopped again. Um, then I helped the Filipponi family down at Filipponi yes. Ranch start their winery and, and got that started. And oh now I stopped again, so. Um, Peter, I had no idea that I, I thought we were going to, I just... You know, I didn't know you when I when I invited you, and I had no idea that wine was going to be something that we were talking about because I talk to winemakers all the time. So that's one of the things about me is that when people walk up and I was pouring wine, they couldn't figure out if they knew me from the garbage world or the wine world. So they were a little skeptical <laughs> when I'd put something in the glass, right? But wow. but it's been, it's it's uh, wine has always been a passion of mine as well, yep. yeah, and I still make wine, but I don't make it commercially um mm-hmm. uh, as my significant other uh, kelly always tells me i can stop making wine commercially but i can't stop making wine yeah because yeah. she has to have a rosé so. oh it's her it's her okay got it her initiative you, you ask her she'll tell you it's hers so so uh what's the varietal that you use for the rosé grenache okay yeah where do you um, source from um, a small vineyard in Tascadero. Okay. Um, i have a, a, an acquaintance of mine that uh has a, a, a Grenache vineyard that's very varietally intense. Huh. Um, it's made some of the more interesting Grenaches that I've ever made before. It's very much in the um, old world style where the, the color is very deep and rich and the flavor is very deep and rich. Um, and it makes an exceptional rosé because it's, it's just the varietal intensity is off the charts. How can I get a bottle? Yes, Kelly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to get her I, number. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's that's out of my purview. I'm sorry. <laughs> Above my pay grade, definitely. That is so cool. Well, what a cool, um, <laughs> I don't want to call it a hobby, uh, but a cool side hustle to have. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. Well, so I, I hadn't anticipated you telling me that. What are some, I mean, I'm sure that with Integrated Waste Management Authority, you're you're dealing with wine and winemakers quite a bit, aren't right, you? Right, right. Um, well, not you know, winemakers and vineyard, uh, vineyard operators. So, so yeah. part of the process right now, we have this uh, um, state bill, uh, state bill thirteen eighty three, which SB thirteen eighty three is the, is the probably the most uh, comprehensive and wide sweeping piece of solid waste legislation in the last thirty years, and its its design is to uh, Reduced organics going to the landfill by 75% by 2025 and increased edible food recovery by 20% Mm. um, at the same time. So, you know, as garbage people, I mean, yeah, getting the organics out is one thing. Yeah, we've got an anaerobic digestion facility out uh, by the airport. And uh, that facility is... um, the first in the United States of that technology. Mm. It uh, takes our organic material with, mixed with food. It goes into the facility, is ground, uh, is placed into a plug-and-flow anaerobic digestion uh, 
operation. And in 15 days, they extract the methane from that. So mm-hmm. it's no longer going to become a volatile piece that's going to be uh, go anaerobic. And, and, do you, and sorry to interrupt because yeah. there's a lot I won't understand. With the methane, do you actually like encapsulate that, use it for something else? Yeah, they use it to generate power currently. Okay. Um, and so they use it to generate power and heat for the, for the for process. For its own. Okay, right. cool. And so it, it, does, it, it powers about 600 homes. Um, wow. And then the material that comes out of the uh, digester after it's been screened is a uh, um, it's a soil amendment that that we're able to actually reapply to the vineyards. So um, um. my agency, the Integrated Waste Management Authority, um, created a compost rebate program. Mm-hmm. And so um, with the people that I know in the in the wine business, we've been talking about getting uh, getting this material back to the vineyard yeah. so they can get it back on the ground, so we can create that circular economy that that this law is designed to create. Um, the other portion about this law that, that's challenging for me is is the edible food recovery. Yes. I mean, I'm a garbage guy, yeah. so I'm partnering a lot with the food bank and relying upon them yes, and relying yeah. upon some of these other people. But that's that's tasked to our agency to uh, promote, monitor, and eventually regulate. And, impl- <clears throat> and implement, though? I mean, right. will you have people out gathering? and? We'll rely upon others. We'll okay, re- okay. We rely upon uh, food recovery organizations yeah, okay. um, to do this work, but we are going to be helping them coordinate. So mm. we're going to be the informational clearinghouse on where the food is, how we can get it out, and then measuring that food. How much food are we getting back? Because yeah. the food insecurity, you know, is it's a huge problem even in an affluent community such as this it's yeah. still a huge problem mm-hmm. and so we need to get the food back into the right people so back to the right people so it's it's important for us as a as a, an organization to to take these tasks and try and create programs that are um that are leading edge for the state yeah. um that's been our role i mean having the anaerobic digestion facility you know, that was a huge element that was done by um, you know, through the course of years, we started working on that in 2011 yes. and it didn't even start happening until 2015. So yeah. it requires that we, we take a passionate approach to managing these things and do things well. Who was responsible for making the decision, uh, advocating to get that anaerobic digester? Um, a guy named Bill Worrell started the process. He was, uh, the, um, the manager of the integrated waste management authority up until about 2017. Um, he saw the technology when he was on a, um, speaking at Davos, Switzerland. Um, he was speaking Speaking at at Davos. Yeah, he was, well, he was, it was, there's an international conference there about solid waste that happens every couple of years. So he was speaking there. He saw this, uh, uh, anaerobic digestion facility and thought that was an exceptional technology to manage organics. It doesn't, um, it, it doesn't have a, the odor issues that are, that you have with, typical windrow composting mm-hmm. um, and it captures the methane and it actually puts it back into power uh, yeah. into a biogas so he, he saw that technology he and I started discussions about that technology back in 2009 mm-hmm. um, and then he was looking at other technologies and we were trying to figure out how we can bring that technology to the US and it wasn't until um, the partnership partnership between Hitachi Zosen Innova and and the combo gas technology took effect mm-hmm. that we actually had an opportunity to bring it here and so he was instrumental in, in involving Waste Connections who is the company that owns the property mm-hmm. in in partnering with them creating the long term agreements that made this technology possible so um, you know it was being the first it had its challenges yeah. um, just like any technology I I, I want to hear all about now you don't want to hear that. <laughs> you, you don't you don't have enough time um, well maybe could you but, share with me one 
crazy so story. I can. So so think about everything in, in <laughs> everything in, in Switzerland is set up and they've got these all set up. They come over here, they bring their engineering over and somebody looks at it and goes, well, you don't have any seismic uh, calculations on this because mm, California right. shakes. Yeah. That completely just turned everybody upside down. Derail. Because, yeah, right. Because all of a sudden now you've got a whole new set of this is a large piece of equipment yes. and you're putting it on the ground. You know, it's 30 meters long and, uh, and it's about 10 meters tall. And so now you've got to take and do seismic calcs for the whole thing. And that just took and turned everything sideways for a yeah. little while. Um, the, you know, what they go to order from their uh, vendors and suppliers in Europe mm-hmm. doesn't exist here. So, so everything's uh, slow. Everything's slow. Everything's unique. Everything's, yeah. Yeah, you know, so you, you, there were uh, tremendous challenges. I mean, yeah. I, I it's like driving to... a Volvo, which I do. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like sourcing parts for a Volvo. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. They're made of unobtainium, right? Yeah. You can't <laughs> find them. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but slowly but surely we've been able to, to, to work with it and, and the, the team at Hitachi Zosen, you can't say enough about them because they've, they've mm-hmm. always stuck with the concept that you know they're going to make this work because they feel that the u.s market's going to be something for them yes and so we're starting to see some traction on that they've got another facility now in escondido they're looking at Mm. lancaster looking in stockton they're looking in some other locations so anywhere outside of california um yeah they're actually looking outside of california and also into canada and so uh, the whole north america they're looking at this because it's it's not a it's not a California problem. California just tends to address them sooner than That's everybody else. That's what I'm kind of getting at, yeah. Yeah, and so California always takes that leading-edge approach to environmental issues. Mm-hmm. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's what we do. Yep. Um, and uh, this is directly, 1383 is directly in, in uh, response to climate change mm-hmm. and climate impact. And by capturing methane and, and taking it and utilizing to generate power, what we're doing is we're having a dramatic impact on, on, on what's going to take place for the future because yeah. not putting organics in the landfill is going to take landfills and reduce the amount of methane they're going to generate. Mm-hmm. Um, while landfills have methane capture systems, they, they are... They do? Ours does? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They capture the methane off of uh, Cold Canyon landfill and they use it to power um, and put energy back into the grid as well. But because they're always moving because they're contracting, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. those liners leak. They can't always get a per- perfect seal on the top of a landfill mm-hmm. and landfills generate are one of the highest methane generating, um, uh, fixtures, um, and facilities, um, in the U S mm-hmm. uh, there's some new information coming out. NASA's flying a satellite now that's mm-hmm. measuring methane and methane plumes. And landfills are... Hotspots, I'm sure. A- incredible hotspots. And, and you think about, okay, California's done a lot of work on managing this, requiring these covers, requiring the methane capture. So other states are doing the same thing, but they're just not effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and you put organics into a landfill, and that the organics are going to go into the landfill, and they're going to generate methane for over 30 years. Lord have mercy. So we, we, need, to, we need to do a better job. Yeah. So when you talk, okay, so when I was incredulous that we at Cold Canyon Landfill have mm. methane collectors, is that what you call it? It's just a capture system. They, they basically system. put a liner over the top. Yes. And they put drill wells and they pull a vacuum on those wells. Okay. So and, it's required then in California to have that. It is required. And, 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 it, and the effectiveness depends upon how well the landfill yeah, yeah. maintains its structural integrity mm-hmm. because they use a, a geosynthetic liner that goes over the top to capture it. And, you know, they always have seams. They always have leaks. 
Sure. Even the even the the vacuum wells will leak a little bit because everything's moving on a landfill. Yeah, and a vacuum. So, so that's how the methane's collected. Is it put into tanks? I'm so ignorant. Bear with me. No, it's okay. okay. It, it's you know, garbage industry. We're really bad about talking about the things we do. Um, so basically, it's it's pulled in and it goes through a scrubber, so it cleans it up a little bit, so you get a little less hydrogen sulfide. And then it's burnt. Hmm. Um, as a uh, a fuel for um, uh, through a, through a, um, for power yeah a fuel through for for a generator, and um, you know it it's a good way to to utilize it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the challenge is you don't always get it all, and mm. so you know and it's not always pure. I'm sure. Oh no, it's it's horribly dirty. Yeah. So, but but I think it's just so cool. I'm so glad I'm talking to you because. I hadn't thought, I knew about the anaerobic digester. I knew about it from when I worked at Edible Slow Magazine. I I guess I was probably there in 2016. And you were just, I thought at the time that it was ready and that we could maybe tour it, talk about it. But now I understand why it was so slow. You were, you were sourcing parts from Switzerland. You were getting, getting up to speed with regulations, all of that. I never did get to um, go over there. But now I'm starting to understand why it, it has so many inputs. And I didn't realize that it was collecting methane. Why All I ever pictured was it was developing compost um, from our organic materials in our green bins. Um, so now I realize it's doing so much more than that, collecting so much more. So you know, when we look at um, the anaerobic digestion facilities, their primary function is generate biogas and fuel. Okay. The, meth- the the compost is a byproduct. Wow. Um, okay, I had it backwards. And, and so yeah, well, so so did uh, so did we when we first started putting it in. Hmm. Um, you're not, you know, it's funny. You're uh, our, our assumption is that we make compost out of green waste. Yeah. Um, no, we make biogas, and then the compost is a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Um, the the compost does need to have a place to go. It's actually very valuable as a soil amendment. Mm-hmm. It can go out there and be utilized. Um, but the, uh, the biogas is actually the feature because the biogas is actually the renewable energy part of the, of the equation. And dangerous. I mean, like dangerous well, if, it's a, if left it, to just right, seep if, out. Right. Because it is a, a, you know, um, methane is, is what, 30 times more of a pollutant than, uh, um, than CO2. So, so more so than our cars and right. Yeah. Right. And it's, 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 it's actually causing damage to our environment. So. And we can't, and we don't. We all eat. Yeah, and you can't see it. It's Yeah. But it's a constant, like it's never going to stop being an issue. Right. Yeah. Whereas if we all drove less cars, that would, the CO2 would be less of an issue, but nobody's going to stop eating. Right. Right. Okay. Food, and, you know, and it's cutting your lawn. It's it's anything organic mm. that's going in there. Um, and hmm. so that's, that's the thing is you can't, we can't be burying organics the rest of our lives. Wow. Okay. So how has reception been with this facility? It, well, it's, it's good. Um, and, and one of the things about it, 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 so I just went back to the integrated waste management authority, um, as their executive director about four months ago. Oh, and welcome back. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that, um, that, you know, we've been doing this for a really long time and we are still struggling with getting our message out to the public mm-hmm. and so that's one of my goals is to take and you know, go back in revisit an entire uh, outreach and education program and make it something that's a little bit more inclusive we, we talk about education and, and i can't even i mean 
you're familiar with EcoSlow, the group in yes, town? Yes, I am, yeah. So, you know, we still have confusion with how to recycle and, how, and what to do. I was going those. to ask you all of that, yes. So, so we're constantly trying to work on the concept of, of refining our message. If, if I can't preach to the choir and get them to sing on key, mm. man, I'm just not preaching well. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're going back in and we're going to look at the entire process and take and you know just take it down step by step, break it down into nuggets, and then start all over again. So when you talk about um, taking it step by step and looking at all of the pieces, you mean when a when a uh, uh, somebody on a property has any kind of waste, where does it all go, and what are we left with at the end? Right. Okay. Yeah. This, the the concept is we have to stop. The, the long term concept is we have to stop looking at. Uh, the things that we throw away is waste. Uh, resources. Yeah. We have to, I mean, you know, there are some things that, yeah, nobody's going to want. We're going to always have to yep. have something we have to deal with. But it starts with how what we buy. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we're not an environmental agency. We are mm-hmm. an agency that deals with state compliance. Mm-hmm. So um, it just so happens that we work in the environment. Yeah. So what we're, what we're looking at is we're looking at how to communicate, you know, what do you do with this? And what, where is it, um, you know, there was that term wish cycle. Mm-hmm. And instead of wish cycling, we want you to be able to see what you really recycle. Yeah. So, for example, we're working on some video production now where you're going to take an aluminum can. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to th- there'll be video of somebody putting it into a recycling bin, it going out to the materials recovery facility, it being recovered, bailed, put on a truck, turned into a, uh, um, a an ingot that goes back into an aluminum can. What's like an ingot? It's a block of aluminum, okay. and then they roll it into sheets. It's mm-hmm. it's what they what they make when they're when they're remelting resmelting the aluminum, mm-hmm. um, and then it goes back into the can, and then the can gets refilled with uh, a, a soda or a beverage, mm-hmm. and goes back on the shelf. Now that's a ninety day cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's inc- wait, a ninety day cycle. I think the part that surprises me the most is so. So when you have the ingot, you ship that out to canning facilities. Yeah, that's hap- that happens at, at the at the at the location. The, the bale is what we ship. Okay. So we we get a bunch of aluminum I cans, see. we bale them up, and we ship them off to the place that makes it into the ingots and the wow. sheet stock into the can blanks. And People the- be drinking too much soda is what I'm thinking. <laughs> ninety days. Right. Does it need to be ninety days, you guys? That's it could be crazy. faster. I mean, oh my gosh! But I think the the biggest thing is that yeah, that's the life cycle of that product, and yeah. it's reused and reused and reused. Um, you get a plastic fork, you take the plastic fork, you have your meal, you throw it into the recycling bin, it goes out to the MRF, it gets taken into the residual pile, it goes up, it's buried in the landfill, and it's there forever. Mm. And so that's the messaging that we're trying to create: is okay, what happens? to the materials that you put into the bin, what are the good things, what are the things that are not so good, what can you avoid, and what are some of your alternatives. Yeah. And so I think that's um, uh, that's what we're going to take a look at as part of our, our key to starting education, is trying to educate people on what do they use every day, what do they buy yeah. every day. If so, we don't see the big picture like that, as, as just a consumer, you know, resident, if I don't see the big picture the way that you're describing, it's so abstract to compost, to recycle, to trash, and uh, it gets to be just kind of a going through the motions kind of thing. If I can't connect it to the bigger picture and what happens at the end, I'll never 
feed into the political will to change. Right. And by political, I mean the the in the the biggest sense of right. the word. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We try to keep politics. No. No. I don't mean that. I just mean yeah, like a desire, a compulsion to do it for the big picture. So everybody, most people want to do the right thing. I yes. mean, all, I would say everybody, but yeah, there's always that one person out there that's screwy. But um, everybody wants to do the right thing. And so so the, the goal is to just demonstrate what is the right thing. Yeah. Um, you know, people are confused. You get um, the plastic you know, glass or cup or bottle or any number of things, and they've got those little chasing arrow symbols on the bottom. Yes. Automatically, people think those are recyclable. Totally. Well, that's, but that's, that was a marketing campaign done by the American Chemistry Council to uh, help market plastics, saying that they're always recyclable. Now, mind you, a lot of plastics what? are recyclable. Okay. But they're not, it's just not feasible. It's not, it's not financially viable to, to recycle some of these plastics. Because, the, yeah, the, 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 with the way they come in or how they, how they um, the, yeah. the resins they're made out of. Um, so we, there, there's some um, new, like, I can't remember the law that just passed, but it, it, it's going to require that if you can't recycle, physically recycle it in that community, they can no longer put that symbol on that. You're blowing my mind because when was that campaign? Was it in the 80s? Oh, that was, yeah, it was in the 80s or 90s when, when plastics started to really run. Um, you know, I remember um, another job I had, I worked for uh, uh, the industry that, that built equipment for the, for, uh, the soft drink industries. Okay. And uh, um, I remember when pet plastic first came in to play as the, the plastic soda bottles mm-hmm. versus the glass soda bottles. Yes, yes. Um, you know, the, the people that in the glass plants were saying that plastic was never going to be here to stay, that oh, glass funny. will always be the, you know, the way it's going to go yeah. because plastic has some shortcomings. Well, you know, Fine, uh, economics drove it to plastic because plastic's a one-way package. Mm. Plastic's light to transport. It's lighter. Yeah, I mean, there was it, all the all, a number of different reasons to utilize it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, you, know, you didn't break it when you dropped it. Yeah. Um, but here we are now, uh, I hate to say this, but almost 40 years later, mm-hmm. um, where we're looking at plastics and, and now all of a sudden we've got you know, gyres floating in the Pacific and in the South Pacific. And What's in a gyre? It's a, a swirl of plastic. It's oh, like the, a flotilla kind yeah, of? Yeah, kind okay. of like, like things the size of Texas that are actually floating out there that are just big plastic garbage patches. Oh. Because, you know, plastics seemed like a good idea at the time. It's uh, like margarine, right? Right, exactly. Thank I mean, God for margarine. Right, yeah, all these, yeah. So it's all plant-based. The, all these, yeah, right. <laughs> Right. Um, it, it goes in the digester fine. But anyway, um, so, so we, you know, the unintended consequences of our lives. So these are yeah. things we do. We thought were convenient. We thought sure. they were going to save us. We thought they were going to be better. And it turns out they're just not. Um, yeah. But, you know, how do you fault? I mean. Well, plastics have done so much good, too. I mean, I hate to say it, but there's, you know, in medicine, right. it's so critical. Right. I was at the dentist this morning and I was seriously thinking, you know, the the uh, x-ray device, there's so much plastic and thank goodness for it mm-hmm. because it really does make so much possible. But with one-time use Single-use stuff, plastics are a challenge. So there's, there's a, there's, there is SB 54 that's come out and that's an extended producer responsibility bill that... Um, uh, is is law now, and it's going to require that we the plastics that are sold in California either be recycled 
or made of recycled content material. And, it, mm. and it, 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 it gradually steps up those contents and it provides, it requires that the manufacturers self-police themselves. Okay, so the onus will be on the manufacturer, right. not on IMWA. Right. Right now, it won't be on. Um, it'll be on the uh, the manufacturers to do this. The, the the you know it gets back to so it starts here, and will other states pick it up and run with it? If California does it, it's highly probable that mm-hmm. the if manufacturers get in tune here, that it'll just bleed into the other economies. Well, and we're the most populous state in the union too. So I mean, and I think it, we're the fifth largest economy or fourth in the world. Yeah, in the world. Yeah. So it's like if it starts here, it'll carry out. Yep. Um, so that that was a big, um, uh, a big piece to get passed, the legislation to get through, because it does put the it puts the the, the responsibility of the product back on the manufacturer. They'll so, hate that. Oh yeah, it's okay though. Yep. Um, and and people will complain because it's going to drive up costs. But mm-hmm. will it? Um, I mean, there's a cost of things, right? To, to, there's a cost of living, I guess. And when you look yeah. at cost of living, do you, do you want to trash your environment so that your kids inherit your problems? I mean, there's a cost to convenience. Right. I mean, you don't just get it for nothing. Right, right. And so, not to not to beat it up too much, but it is. Um, we'll find ways to be better um, if mm-hmm. we just, you know, we have to take our time and look at it and, and look at it. You know, it, it look at the whole picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it? What is the cost? It, it's like cell phones. You know, there's a cost. There's a cost. I mean, we yeah. we change cell phones all too often um, mm-hmm. because they have built-in obsolescence. And God knows what's going into our brains. I mean, we just don't have enough history and research. Well, you know, and, and it's the the uh, um, the biggest thing is we just want to make sure that we're we're aware of unintended consequences of our actions. Yeah, um, more so than in the past, hopefully. Uh, well. We're still going to make mistakes. I know, but like being aware that there is such a thing as an unintended consequence yeah, right. is helpful. Right. Um, with uh, the anaerobic digester, I mean, having been the first to do that, have there been any, any awards that have come through? Any kind of recognition? There's some recognition. I mean, we're, we're, we're the uh, model project for the calorie cycle. That's the agency that oversees the solid waste regulations in the state. So we're the model project for how to manage organics. We're, you know, there's a lot of things that come with it. Um, San Luis Obispo County has, has always been on the leading edge of, yes. of these pieces. So, um, when, you know, when they passed SB 1383, everybody freaked out about how difficult it was going to be to comply. Sure. Um, when we looked at it, uh, we have, more we have the vast most of the requirements are already in place it's just about record keeping and tying them together mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know we started the three bend collection system in the late 90s early mm-hmm. 2000s um and what we take for granted you know other communities had a single trash can or maybe yeah. maybe recycling if you were lucky they have to drive the recycling outside town right yeah and- so we, you know we were so far ahead of everybody else so the cost to implement for us is going to be far less mm-hmm. um than some of the other other areas so and, and we want to stay in that leadership role mm-hmm. because it's just a matter of time before the next SB 1383 comes down. Right, so right. stay ahead of it. Stay ahead of it. It's yeah. cheaper. With the pandemic, I know that you've only just come back in the last four months, but may, maybe you have anecdotal information. With all of the um, all of the takeout, mm-hmm. you know, all of the takeout stuff, 
for restaurants. Did you, I, I mean, I have a friend who works for the city of Pismo Beach and he talked about the trash cans during that time. Everybody wanted to come to the beach. If you'll remember, we were going through a heat wave too um, that summer of 2020. And so everybody was trying to come out to the beach and buying food. And he talked about the overflowing garbage cans and it just made me so sad. That's like a panic feeling. What did you see with all of that? So um, I was actually working for the garbage company during that time frame. I was working for Waste Connections. um, And we were delivering uh, large front load containers to Pismo Beach, Morro Bay, um, the other communities, just so we could accommodate those materials. So during the pandemic, what we saw was, um, the vast majority of what we saw was a a drop in uh, commercial waste and an incredible increase in residential waste. Mm-hmm. Um, so the commercial routes dropped off. They were lighter, but in the residential rates, uh, uh, routes went up in, in volume. The Yes, the, the single-use plastics that were generated during that time frame, you, you know, they were, it was almost that moment of like, so we've been fighting this for all these years, and all of a sudden we're, going to take a put it on hold because we don't Talk have any other options unintended consequences right oh my gosh right. i mean it's like we're picking up these giant front load containers that have four yards of airspace and they don't weigh anything because all it is is takeout containers it's right. mostly airspace so you know that was that was a dramatic impact in how we did business it required us to be really flexible in how we manage those pieces because last thing we wanted like your friend in Pismo said, was overflowing trash cans. Yes. Because then it gets blown back into the ocean. That's and we horrible. go back into the same situation that we got, that we're yeah. trying to fight. And so we're trying to capture all these materials. So yeah, it, it's, you know, every time, there's a saying, Mother Nature always bets last. What so, does that mean? What, is, what that means is like every time you think you're starting to move ahead, something like a pandemic is <laughs> going to come along and just change the whole, change your rules. Yeah, you know? three steps forward, two steps forward. Yeah, so, you, you know, you have to always remain flexible. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I have questions, just very practical questions. Mm -hmm. Um, My family loves Lincoln Market and Deli Mm -hmm. over here on the corner. We go at least once a week and they have all of the bins. Mm -hmm. So if I go there, so they serve everything in takeout. Mm -hmm. They always have Um, the brown cardboard, you know, four piece uh, flip down containers and they give a plastic fork. Uh, and I forgive me, I don't know if these are like compostable or anything, but let's just say they're not. And let's say I get a beer in a can and I get napkins and what else? Maybe a bag of chips. Okay. So when I go up to those bins, I'm imagining that I can recycle the cardboard container. Can I recycle the napkins? Um, not in the recycling bin. So if they're food okay. dirty, they can go into the... Uh, um Compost. Compost. It, okay. It, uh, it's, but it, and if they're clean, then you know you took too many napkins, or you can, you Fair. could put them in the recycling bin. Uh, the plastic fork, whether it's compostable or not, the answer is no. And the chip bag is a no. Okay. Um, the brown paper. I, I also go to Lincoln Market frequently. Yeah. Um, um, the brown paper. They wrap the sandwiches up. Yeah. That's oh. com- that's recyclable. Okay. The beer can, obviously. What about the can. little piece of tape? Don't worry about the tape. Okay. I, won't. I mean, there's, yeah, there's that, you know, that will, during the pulping process, that'll be pulled out. Okay. Okay. 
All right. So the can can be recycled. The napkins can be recycled. Don't take too many. If they're if they're clean. If they're clean, and if they're not, then they they, can... they should be composted. And they haven't got, quite gotten to the situation where they're taking the food waste part yet. Okay. So that's coming to them soon. Yeah. Okay. Um, and with the dirty napkins, even if they are like bright white bleached, it's okay for them to go into compost. Long as they're not long as so. Food dirty paper is, is any uncoated paper product. So napkins don't have a coating. So paper towels can go in the compost. Long as they're, if they're food dirty. If they're not food dirty. The, no, 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 yeah, no. Yes. Right, Assuming right. in a restaurant, it's a little bit tricky though, because especially with COVID people are still hyper aware of germs. And so if I've, if, if the server gives me a stack of napkins and I only use, let's say our family uses two, three mm-hmm. of them, we still have these other ones. A lot of the time, people don't want to use stuff that's already been put on our table. So right. I'm aware of that. Right. So that's an education portion of it, right? Okay. I mean, yeah. that, that's the part where, okay, yeah, that, that directly affects the restaurant's ability to perform because it's a, it's a paper cost item. Right. So we have to get back to making sure that, you know. Don't hand out napkins. Don't, yeah. Just take what you need. Um, yeah. Don't use your shirt sleeve. Um, but. <laughs> But yeah, take what you need and use what you need. Okay. And, and and that's, I run into it all over the place. And it's like that thing where they plop down a whole stack of napkins and you're just yeah. looking at it going. Yeah, what, well, what, and they have dispensers right, too. Right, right. So, okay. And then you said the fork, it doesn't matter if it's compostable or not. It's, it's a, it's a landfill item. It's a landfill item. Yeah. Plastic, single use plastic items like that are landfill items. Then why does it matter if they're compostable? Well, it, that's, that's something, you know, in, in our current situation with a digester that, that, that fork will not break down through the cycle going through there. They, that takes about 120 days to break down one of those. Um, mm-hmm. And there's no place where they compost well, um, where they're commercially viable to compost. But at least they break down well, they do break at down. the landfill. They, at the landfill, they will break down, and they probably won't generate a lot of methane. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm kind of torn on the whole compostable flatware piece. Um, reusable and washable is probably the best way to go. That is very interesting because people were concerned during the pandemic and, you Mm -hmm. know, and COVID changed a lot of things, I think, uh, for better or for worse in permanent sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. We saw options for, um, like I exercise from home now. I'm not going to a gym. I'm not going to go any, you know, to the yoga studio because God, this is convenient. I love it. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I think that's changed a lot of industries um, in that way. But with this, with the pandemic, people were concerned about all the takeout. And so companies made a point of getting compostable right. and, and flatware. Yeah, and, and I understand why they did it, because it, it you know they feel better about that. I mean, Is it better, though? I mean, even um, incrementally? You can say what you want. It's no, okay. I, I'm, I'm not going to. I mean, anything that's done out of if it's if it's that or plastic, then it's probably better than okay. plastic. Okay. The paper is probably better if it's if it's paper. Um, okay. Because it's you know I I you know the the challenge is always going to be that like you said, especially with COVID, exasperating the problem of of the perceptions of of, of sanitary service and and you know transference of. of you know, unwanted uh, bacteria or diseases. Yes, yeah. You know, you, you know that's where that's where plastics and takeout and all these things came into play. Mm-hmm. Um, the best thing you can do is go to a place where they wash the place and wash the dishes and they have paper napkins. But now uh, we have a water issue. Uh, water, they're recycling the water at the wastewater treatment plants. Okay. So, I, which you've had experience with as right, well, right? Right. I mean, you know, you, you, a dishwasher is not a bad thing. 
Okay. Integrated Waste Management Authority, do you have anything to do with, I mean, you oversee the water treatment facility or it has nothing to do with that? We're just solid waste and and hazardous waste and those things. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about recycling, more about recycling. So I am absolutely guilty of seeing the chasing arrows triangle Mm -hmm. and thinking, great, we're, we're good here. So what you're telling me is that it was a chemical... Com- um, American Chemistry Council. Yes, okay. And they put that on things to to beef up, boost um, confidence in plastics. Yeah, p- portray it as being... And, and, you know, yes, a lot of resins can be recycled, but they're just yeah. not commercially viable. So when you look at things like um, uh, uh, the detergent bottles, um, the... They basically have a, a number one on the uh, number two on those. Those are high density polyethylene. Mm-hmm. Those are easily recyclable. Okay. Um, the number one, the the pet bottles or even the plastic pet cups mm-hmm. are easily recyclable. The uh, um, hang on, number four, that's polypropylene. Um, those are recyclable. Um, the number three, that's polyvinyl chloride. Not so good. What's that? What are those things? Those just, that's the different types of, um, I think no, number five is poly. Is that like I, a milk, a, ja- a gallon no, of it, milk? It, no, a gallon of milk is, is, is recycled. Okay. That's high what about a carton of milk? Because that's coated. Yeah, that's a no. Because, okay. uh, it, well, well, yes, it is technically recyclable. It's not recyclable here. Because by the time we get it to a marketplace, it's it's lost its value. We, we can't get it somewhere in, it, reasonably at wow. a reasonable cost. Okay. At the facility, the recycling facility, I hear that um, some kind of a scanner processor sees what kind of plastic it is just quickly and, and shoots it off into the right direction. Right. It's um, They've got AMP robotics, so it uses artificial intelligence that identifies what material is coming down, and they pull it off with vacuum arms. And uh, How cool is that? Uh, it's, it's amazingly cool. It's amazingly cool because uh, when it was just people... Uh, doing that kind of sorting, what I heard and understood was that there's a lot of margin for error. Sure. And so things weren't getting recycled the way they could have been. So is that margin for error pretty low now? It's getting better all the time because the, the um, as they continue to use artificial intelligence and they continue to, to exploit the, the you know robotics and, and, and pieces that are, that are separating it through, um, you know, doing that vision, that, that camera technology, um, it, things are getting so much better. And mm. you're using the people more now as opposed to trying to pick off all those items. Now they're just doing QA. Okay. And, and that's helped a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the thing about recycling, it, I think it's more important to realize the no's than it is the yeses. So, mm. you know, don't put garden hoses in your recycling bin. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Don't put A recy- for effort. Don't, but- <laughs> yeah, yeah, A for effort. But, but yeah, you're not helping me because everything, because that'll shut down the, the conveyor line because yeah. it'll wind up in the units, you know, the, 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 the strapping, anything that, that is flexible like that. Mm. If it's a plastic that you can put your finger through, like a plastic bag or foam, okay. don't put that in the recycling that bin. That makes me so sad because okay. there's so much of that. Well, there is. And that's the thing where we get back to purchasing. Yeah. Um, uh, when you look at um, like lawn furniture, kind of would rather not have that because it's kind of bulky and takes up things you know plastic pools i mean people break things up you'd be surprised again a for effort right a for effort right bowling balls um no people have put bowling balls in the recycling it's amazing they roll out and they take off down the road but they're what um, (laughs) i I would pay to see that happen actually it's it's people put um 
put ammunition in the recycling bins because they're metal, right? Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of things that they shouldn't do that they put in there. Um, mm-hmm. Auto parts. Oh, um, no. Yeah, no. Well, but they put them in there because they're metal. Yes, I understand that. It just sounds like dirty. Well, it's also scrap metal. I mean, it's like, so mm. yeah, what do you do with it? Well, you put it in the recycling bin. But, you know, it, paper products are great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the plastic bottles, if it's got a, if it's a rigid plastic bottle or a rigid plastic container, it's highly possible that, that, that it's going to be taken okay. care of. Um, it, which stay, the forks, straws, um, the little foil top from uh, the yogurt container. That's just kind of a tough one because it's just, it's so small, it just falls through. So maybe don't put the foil. Don't put the foil in. Put the yogurt container in, but don't put the foil in. Okay, now, gosh, so many questions, Peter, that mm-hmm. are like blowing through my mind. We've been told, I've been told that you have to rinse out. Let's say that this jar is like, like uh, you know, tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. Do I have to rinse it out before I put it in the recycling? It's, you know... Y- you don't have to, but it's advantageous if you do because you don't bring food into the facility and so they don't have to. The longer range problem with that is not so much the food itself, it's what it attracts. It bugs, animals, what? Vec- yeah, any kind of, any number of vectors. And then when it's going down the line, it's going to get the paper messy. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden you've got tomato sauce that's all over the paper because the bottle gets, gets broken in the process. But Peter, I'm... I'm not going to wash it out. Just rinse it or knock out the big pieces. Okay. That's what's fine. Okay. I am. So, I feel like I'm getting Don't wash it. your blessing. Don't wash. No, no, no. I just, I like time is so. Right. Right. Don't wash your, don't wash your recyclables before you do that. You know, it's like if you can just get them mostly clean. Okay. There's, yeah. There's, there's, I mean, we try to scrape out. A, yeah. I'm also trying to be savvy with my money. So right. I'm trying to right. get as much just, as possible. Yeah. Don't throw it. If it's half full, don't throw it in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And cans like cans of beans, cans mm-hmm. of tomatoes, that's all okay to go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What about the lids? We've heard for years that the jar and the lid are not necessarily equal. Take, take the jar off. The, the lid the off, lid I'm off? sorry. Yeah. And do what with the lid? Just put it in the recycling bin. It's fine. Oh, It'll, okay. okay. That, that, Just take it That'll off, be though. pulled off magnetically in the okay. facility. So it doesn't really, it, the, the, the facility doesn't care. And, okay. and aluminum foil, when I say the foil tops, yes. it's the little tops that are a problem. If you get the uh, uh, like regular foil, throw it in the recycling bin. Uh, Serious? Yeah. Oh. Aluminum foil, it, it, it processes really quickly. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, that's a misconception. I thought that we couldn't do that. Absolutely. I thought that, okay. Christmas is coming. Mm-hmm. Hanukkah is coming. All of the gifts. Mm-hmm. What about wrapping paper? It hurts so bad to put that stuff in the trash. The, the challenge with wrapping paper is the dye content in the wrapping paper and the foil that's embossed into it. If you're wrapping your, with craft paper, then yeah. it can go into the recycling. Okay. Paper. If you're wrapping with a, with a paper that's got foil and... And, you know, it, it's some what about the, if it's just dyed? I mean, it's paint or, you know, it's printed. It's, it, it's printed. You can put it in and, and, you know, we'll see how we'll it works out. Right. Okay. But the challenge with some of those dyes, I'd rather that you did your gift exchange in bags mm. and just. The uh, bags you can recycle? Not, well, you can reuse. Yes, that's true. Okay. So, anyway. I'm so guilty of using printed. Uh, everybody does it. But you know what? Craft paper, first of all, you can get it at the dollar store. Mm-hmm. It's cute. Mm-hmm. You can decorate it. That you can take string and put little things on there. And, and the put, tape is not a problem? Tape's not a problem. Okay. With composting, my husband and I have an ongoing argument about what is compostable. What about tea bags? 
They, they're compostable. Not a problem. Even with the little staple? The staple okay. will come out. There's a magnetic separator. Yes, I win that one. There you okay. Go. Um, what about meat? It's okay to put meat Absolutely. in there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, anything, um, anything that you can eat can go in there. Okay. Um, we want the fats, oils, and grease. Not, not the okay. not the fog, but we want the uh, the fats and the um, and the uh, the meats, and we want the, the the vegetables. We want as many things as you can put in there that will anaerobically break down and create methane. Okay. So when I collect grease, though, from a as long as it's solid, you can put it in there. But but if it's solid, when I put it in, it's going to liquefy, isn't Even, it? Yeah, but but eventually, when it, you know, if if it takes in, in the room temperature becomes solid yeah put it in i am loving this that is awesome and i guess i would just put it in like a compostable well no i would don't put it in a compostable thing put it right. either in a paper bag okay or put it um on you know put some leaves in it and put the put it on top of the leaves and the leaves will soak it up you know what you don't want to do is you don't want to create something where your green waste container starts to smell because that's the biggest complaint we're getting now is oh god it reeks yes they, they, they can reek so the so the thing about it is you want to make sure when you're processing it you know we've got some uh, um on our instagram account there's a couple of videos on how reels on how you can fold newspaper to make a little a uh, piece that goes inside your compost pail on your kitchen counter, That's so a that, good idea. that they'll throw everything in there. The, the, the newspaper becomes wet, but it also uh, contains mm. the uh, the materials and it keeps the stink out. Basically, the newspaper holds it away. Is the stink a problem for you, though, mechanically speaking, or is it just a nuisance? It's a, it's an in-house thing. Okay, it's a, okay. it's a, yeah, yeah. I, it doesn't I, signal some other bigger problem. No, or, okay. no. As a matter of fact, if it stinks, I think they want it more. So. <laughs> Give me your poor, your tired, your yeah, stinky. Your stinky, yeah. Okay. What about you personally? I would imagine that with your job, because you see the 30,000 foot view all the time, it has to impact the way you live personally. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm never going to ask anybody to live the way I live. I'm not, I mean, I'm not asking that, but, but I want to know. But real, realistically, um, yeah, it does everything we do. We use uh, advertisement. We use Blue Land for all of our soaps. What is, um, oh, is that a company? It's a company, yeah. Right. And basically, all the soaps come in a powdered format in a in a in a, uh, um, a, f- a fiberboard box. Okay. And then they sell a, a, a reusable plastic dispenser, or you get your own hand pump dispenser, okay. and you reuse that every time. So we don't do the soaps that way. We don't use a lot of paper towels. We use cloth towels. We don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, we compost everything we have. If yeah. we don't compost it, it goes into the green bin. Uh, we grow a lot of our own vegetables. We do a lot of the, those things, so we try and minimize our footprint. We have an I have an electric car that I drive on the weekends. Um, um, I have my car that I use for work because I throw things into it. And I think yeah. I'd get killed if I threw some of the stuff into our car. So, but then we have solar on the roof. We have Kelly all, needs room for her rosé anyway. She needs lots of right, room in the car. Right. So yeah. So the so the reality is, you know, my life is a little bit different because you know, I my daughter is off or out of college and launched. So yeah. uh, when when I had her at home, life was a little different. I get that. I just think that you, um, you know, anybody who is close to this stuff. It's it's instructive. It's educational to see how they live because it's a good example of when you have when you interface with with garbage every day, every day, and you see the systems. 
I would imagine you want to put yourself out of a job. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, the long-term goal is to reduce what's going to the landfill. Mm -hmm. And I get paid by what goes to the landfill. So, yeah, my Mm -hmm. intent is to work myself out of a job. Yeah. Or at least work yourself into a job that is more systems-based than than waste-based. Right. But, but, you know, know, I don't don't envision that happening in my lifetime, but hopefully sometime it will happen. Mm-hmm. I was um, kind of going to ask you what's next. So it sounds like. Well, I think this SB 54, the, the extended producer responsibility law that's coming down, those are going to be the drivers that actually make real change. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's the, the ability to reuse products. So there's, there's, um, it's too easy in this marketplace, for example, to just to go when Cal Poly students move in, you know, world market, Bed Bath & Beyond. Target. Oh, we didn't even talk about all that. They yeah. they get overwhelmed with the sheer volume of material that gets sold, and then uh, every June, students move out and leave, and about two hundred and fifty to two hundred and sixty tons of furniture and and material goes onto the street in June every year, and that winds up in the landfill. So that's that's the next. Um, uh, how you know that's our next. How do we how do we recover that? Make it so that people will buy it. Um, and buy what in. the bill by, by the, by the, the material instead of going to buy the new stuff, they'll buy the used stuff Yeah. because people look at that. And once again, you get back to like, well, it's dirty. It's been used. But then you also have pressure from those companies that thrive on right. new students. I didn't even think about the university and all of the waste, and we have those two trash days. Is one of them is in uh, January, I think. And yeah, one yeah is in June. we have a spring in, a, in, a, in June. Yeah, yeah, the big days where the the rumor is you could put anything out on the street. Close. That's not, not anything, but it's close. Bowling balls. Uh, yeah, people put them out. Okay. If got you put it. them out, they'll pick it up. And the, the, the reality is, if you put it on the street, they'll probably pick it up. But they have guidelines where it's it's got to be less than four feet long. Can't be a mattress or anything. Pounds. He had a mattresses have an extra charge. Yeah, um, okay. Mattresses don't go, actually go into the landfill. Mattresses get recycled. So, is that right? Right. So they actually go down to Santa Maria, and there's a company down there that cuts them in half. They recover the steel, and they take the fi- the, the bedding, and they do that, and that gets sent off to somebody who actually reuses it. That's exciting. I love to hear that. Because right. uh, they are so bulky. I mean, they take up so much space. So the funny thing with mattresses, if you try and bury them into the face of a landfill, um, because of the way they spring, they'll work their way back to the surface. <laughs> It's like it, an animal. <laughs> it's it's comical. It's like yeah, you bury it, and then there it is again. So you got to bury it again. Oh so. no! Let's recycle those yeah. guys. Okay. So now they're recycled. Uh, if you, oh gosh, I, it's so funny. I just have so many things. Garbage is so interesting, and you know the the premise of this podcast is that everybody eats and drinks. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody in the process and in, through many other processes creates waste and uh i'm kind of chagrined that i didn't have you on first thing because it really is we need to be mindful about waste and and you know whether you there are a lot of people who uh believe in climate change a lot of people who don't either way i think it behooves all of us to reuse there's no political leaning on the reuse of anything so um and when you talk about giant flotillas of trash out in the ocean i mean that should make just about anybody sad um so i really respect the work that you're all doing and i realize you don't make the laws but you do have to um and you have to abide by the regulations 
Um, and I'm really grateful that I live in a place that is, you know, leading edge on a lot of that stuff. We're fortunate because we've got um, a relatively um, affluent uh, population that kind of gets what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, the funny part is that if, if you go to the our, our ag industries, um, while they may politically be leaning conservative, they're mm-hmm. probably some of the best stewards of yes. the land that we've got. So when you start talking to them about reusing some of these materials and doing things, it's like they've been doing it their entire lives. Yeah. So all you're asking them to do is embrace the way you're doing it. Yes. I have experienced that at this table, <laughs> having interviews that... Um, you know, perhaps somebody in ag, and this is a broad brush, of course, but perhaps somebody in ag is um, conservative in their in their voting habits. But then you get them down talking about waste management. They are on board. Yeah, because they are so on board. It really is beneficial to them. Well, it's also money. I mean, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. wasting is, is is always going to be more expensive, expensive. than actually reusing. Yes. And okay. So it's so that's that's you know. We need to we need to take a look at how we're how we how, you know what we buy and, and you know how we use it. We, we have uh, we have too much stuff. We have too and much I'm guilty. stuff. I just bought a sous vide. A what? A sous vide. <gasps> I just bought one. It's so much fun. So, oh my gosh! Okay, how much did that cost like you? Do you mind me asking? It? About 140, 150. Oh, that's so Amazon. worth it. So yeah. your meat is falling apart all yeah. the time. Well, not all the time, but but um, you know when i want it to right so yes. it, it just yeah so stuff did stuff, i did i need that could i no. live my life entirely without that i sure could. i just bought a dress yesterday that i did not need and i love it so much right yeah um here's something that you may or may not want to answer uh <laughs> i feel so juvenile asking this but you know there's been a rumor an, uh, I would say an urban legend for a long time that people in the garbage industry get paid really, really well. Do you want to answer that? Yeah, I can answer that. Okay. Um, and and, and P.S. The owners, as they should. And I think the owners and the shareholders of, get paid really well. Upper management gets paid pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, the drivers probably don't get paid as much as I think they should. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, because these guys work really hard. Of course and, and they, they get, do. They get paid. They get paid well. That's a livable wage. Good. Um, and, but it, but it's one of those things. Um, there's some disparities in there that, mm-hmm. and, and I have to say the um, that here the, the the management here locally is trying to fix that. Yeah. And it's it's one of those pieces that I can absolutely support when they can bring a rate increase that's going to give their their employees, you know, an increase mm-hmm. because it's like the, the the job they do is is indispensable. They bring a truck by your house. Every week, three trucks by your house every week, pick up everything you put out there yep. and take it away. And it's probably the cheapest utility you have. And you don't know how much you appreciate it until there's like a garbage strike. My husband right. and I were in Naples when they were oh, having yeah. the huge garbage strike and it was yeah. like, okay, I'll pay whatever you want. Because I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, let's bring the black plague back. Uh, but, yes, but, but I right. think, I think the, um, um, I think the waste industry, yes, yeah, there is a lot of there, there is a lot of money in the waste industry. There's no doubt, but there's also a lot of long term liability in the waste industry. Yes, right. And so, if you're not paying them well, they may take shortcuts that may impact you further down we the do road. We do not want that, we right? And so, yeah, I can answer it. Yeah, that it's not. It is, you know, it's. Um, is it a it, good job? It's a great job. Okay, um, but it's a hard job. You're yes. working. Well, this is why I've always felt. 
a lot of the time, the people who should be getting paid the most, teachers, caregivers, you know, uh, do they get paid as they should? And for whatever reason, I've always heard that people in the garbage industry actually get paid what they're worth. And that makes me so happy because, you know, if you've ever been downwind from a truck Mm -hmm. and you see the guy hanging onto the back, it's like, God, I hope that guy's getting paid well. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, and, and you've got, you know, you've got people that are driving trucks that are like, $400,000, $500,000 vehicles Mm. that are 50, 60,000 pounds. You want to make sure that guy is not worried about making his rent payment and he's worried about driving that truck. Yes, right. I mean, these are, these are the, the unseen pieces on this that are so important. Um, you know, I'm, and of course I'm always very, um, supportive and partial and, uh, you know, I have a near and dear place in the heart, my heart for those guys because yeah. I hired a bunch of them when I was working for the garbage company over the years. I know their families. I mm-hmm. know their history. I know their life stories. Um, so I'm always going to be a little bit more sympathetic to them. Yeah, yeah. which is um, great. That's my point of view. Yes. And so, um, yeah, I, you know. I, you know, it's, they always laugh because going down the street, garbage trucks will go by and they'll be honking and waving at me as I walk down the street. So. That is rad. Yeah, it's I love fun. it. All right. So Mr. Sous Vide, Mr. Winemaker, um, I ask everybody on this podcast at the end, if it was the last day of your life, and this is funny asking you actually, if it was the last day of your life and you were like, man, I've done a good job with my life. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm ready to celebrate. What would you eat? What would you drink? And who would you be with? And because it's you, mm-hmm. let's make it something that still benefits the next generation. Let's not be wasteful. Let's not be wasteful. Okay. Well, a little extra imperative. No, I, yeah, that was a tough one at the end um, because you know, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> but um, okay, so so um, I'm going to be with Kelly and my family. Yeah. And uh, close friends always. Um, what am I going to eat? You know, I. I'm still a, just, I'm a sucker for a really nice medium rare prime rib mm. with some horseradish sauce, a baked potato, and a salad with a beautiful Caesar dressing. Have on you it. ever been to Lowry's in yeah. Beverly Hills? Yeah, yeah well, they, the one in Chicago too. Okay, yeah, because yeah, that's fun. that doesn't mess around. Yeah, well, that's right that's there. that's yeah, okay. So the Lowry's. Hey, yeah, yeah, all right. And and but I don't need to be in Chicago. I'd rather be on top of a mountain someplace. Sure, sure, we'll yeah, get it. Doing that. Um, what am I drinking? Mm. Um, whatever you want no i'm thinking now this is this is so um Roman can, I, can i start can i start with a little vivical clo and uh oysters and then um roll to a a beautiful spanish albareno oh nice starting it yes. off but i'm going to finish with a california cab i'm going to be in a silver oak a big boy yeah. Yeah. oh okay all right okay I mean, gotcha. just gonna gonna hang there. screaming eagle go for it no yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, i'm good with silver oak or anything from Howl mountain would, would work too i love Howl mountain um stag's leap Petite Syrah. If, That's kind of nice. If you these, could. These are things. Sure. <laughs> and, and I want one of each. <laughs> yes, because you have guests, right? right I you have need guests. To, everybody yeah. needs so to let's get not, Let's not limit myself. And then uh, and then I'm going to be composted. That's how I'm Which is that. possible Which now. Which is possible now, right. I just read about that. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I'm going to leave. That's how I'm going to do my zero waste part. Man, you nailed that yeah. one. That's so, good. Yeah. Okay. Peter, you are such a delight to talk to. Thank you for all the work you've done, your expertise, and for sharing it with people that listen. Oh, and we're going to continue. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the Consumed Podcast, which is now in its 15th season. Hard to believe. 
If you have suggestions for guests, questions, or comments about the show, please contact me via my website, letsgetconsumed.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter, buy a little consumed pin, or download live episodes. On Instagram, I'm at consumed.podcast. Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. Until next time, thank you for listening.